This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. Hope you had a wonderful weekend. Hope you had a wonderful weekend. Hope that you are rested well and almost ready for Christmas. Where did 2022 go, everybody? I'd just like to know. Get a little bit of feedback, Devin. We're going to work that out. So glad to be with you today on December 12th, 2022. As we talk about uh, Kirsten Cinema, that news broke on Friday just before we got off air. What will her defection from the Democratic Party, what will that mean? It means that she won't have to worry about the primary. First of all, remember that. This was all a political calculation. Apparently, this had been in the works for quite some time. She had not wanted to make this announcement in the primary cycle, which was, of course, not finished until last Tuesday when Raphael Warnock won his seat, won re-election to his seat as the U.S., one of the two U.S. senators from the great state of Georgia. But um, so she, as an independent, because she's not a registered Democrat anymore, she won't have to face a Democratic challenger. But what will this mean? What will this mean for this tenuous power balance in the U.S. Senate? What will this mean? Where will she caucus? She's voted with Democrats, to be fair, most of the time, particularly when it came to the judiciary, the federal judiciary appointments, which are a real big concern for all of us. But... Uh, we don't know where she's going to be. She's not a maverick as much as she is almost a loose cannon. You let me know what you think. 773-763-9278. 773-763-WCPT. I want to know what your thoughts are on Kirsten Cinema. And there is the notion that uh, the former U.S. attorney who... Uh, President Trump fired Mr. Barrara, says that he believes that the Department of Justice is on a path to charge President Trump. And I want to know from you, will that make a difference? Will that promote healing? Um, Is that what Americans are looking for? Because the fact is, the polls are showing that there's little enthusiasm about President Biden and former President Trump running for re-election, particularly President Biden. Now, people keep talking about President Trump having lost all of this momentum and all of this influence and all these seats. That's not true. I went to Ballotpedia and I brought the numbers to you. He has won almost 90 percent of his seats. What Republicans have done is they have not focused on federal government as much as they have focused on state governments. That is the tenuous uh, agreement, the balance that the founding fathers uh, created you know, just states' rights versus federalism. I mean, that's 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 the rub. That's the Civil War. That's all of that. And so I want to know from you uh, what you think. What, what, do you, what do you think? Because, I mean, he won on state levels. The infrastructure to contest these elections exists on the state level. Indeed, that's where the presidential elections are decided. The states give you the electors who then go to the Electoral College and give you the president. That doesn't happen in Washington, everybody. So let's think about that. So in the meantime, let's get right to it. I cannot wait to hear from you today. Um, What would... What would charging President, former President Trump do? And why is there, I mean, who do you want to see run for president? Let's not talk about what you don't want. Let's talk about who you want to see do this. 
Colby, 773-763-9278. And would charging President Trump, would it, would it heal the country? Remember, Senator Warnock uh, didn't win in a landslide. It was not a squeaker, but he won by about 100,000 votes. It's a win. I'll take it. But let's be very clear. These, were not, these are not landslide wins that the Democrats are having. The Republicans and the Democrats are in, are, are in, uh, are in contention with each other, and it's serious. So, 773-763-9278. Here's some of the headlines. In Chicago, there will be a high of 40 degrees. It will drizzle out there. In Minneapolis, St. Paul, 35 degrees and cloudy. Did I tell you that I'm coming to you from WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station and AM 950 radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota? All right, all right, all right. In the NFL, the Bears were off, thankfully. <laughs> oh, my gosh, they've been breaking my heart. They were off yesterday. They'll be back on on the 18th. But the Lions took down the Vikings 34-23. to In the NBA, the Hawks, well, they a heartbreaker over the Bulls, 123-122. to And the Timberwolves will take on the Trail Blazers tonight. In the NHL, the Oilers will be facing off against the Wild, the FIFA, the World Cup in soccer. Quarterfinals tomorrow. I cannot wait. The first African team in the history of uh, the World Cup made, uh, made the quarterfinals. And that, of course, is Morocco. And so people in the Arab and African worlds are rejoicing. They're very, very excited. But you know, it's very interesting because so many of these African and Arab players are populating these teams in Europe. So, hey, hey, I love it. I love it. I love it, everybody. And then, of course, we um, pray for the family of Grant Wall, brilliant, brilliant uh, sports journalist who exposed a lot of the corruption in FIFA, and he also uh, helped us to see what was happening to the migrant workers who have been building uh, in Qatar in advance of the World Cup. And 49 years of age, died suddenly, um, and there is still no cause of death. Oh, wow. God bless them all. God bless them all. God bless his family, his wife. And his family, God bless them. More than 15 million people in 14 states are under winter weather alerts as a multi-day severe storm begins today for parts of the south and southern central U.S. The storm system already slammed into the western U.S. over the weekend, causing avalanche warnings and closing major highways. Meteorologists say the storm will strengthen as it heads east our way on Tuesday, likely impacting a large swath of the lower Mississippi River Valley, areas in Louisiana, and Mississippi could see tornadoes. The historic Artemis mission came to a momentous Uh, And on Sunday, as NASA's Orion spacecraft made a successful splashdown in the Pacific Ocean off of Mexico's Baja California Peninsula, the mission sent the uncrewed spacecraft, that is unmanned spacecrafts, human beings were not aboard, on a trip around the moon for a little over 25 days to test whether its capsule could make a safe re-entry to Earth. Now that it has cleared that hurdle, NASA is looking to choose a crew of astronauts to fly the Artemis II mission, which could take off as soon as 2024. Yay, 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 yay. It looks like we are on our way back to the moon. Moon, amid freezing temperatures, Ukraine is working to patch up sections of its power grid faster than Russian missiles can knock them out. 
Quote, the enemy is hitting most important facilities and key elements of substations that, in- that ensure the output and transmission of electricity. Such is war, everybody. That's the tragedy of war. Wow. So those are some of the headlines. But I came across this one, Pastor. Uh, and this is, this is something that's very disturbing. I think this is helping to drive a lot of the social unrest in the United States, which the head of our, so, of our security, security agency said, more than 10 years ago. Household wealth in the United States is down by $13.5 trillion. It's the second worst dip on record in the United States. American households lost about $6.8 trillion in wealth over the first three quarters of 2022 alone, everybody. That's right. People are hurting out here. They're hurting out here. and We need to continue to talk about it. We really, really do. Pastor Marshall Hatch, I know you've got some good news for us today, and I'm so anxious to hear it. Of course, we're going to have to have you back to talk about the Sankofa Wellness Center, this project that you have that's going up on the west side. It's a wonderful, wonderful project that's going to help us spiritually as well as physically, and it's just in every other way. Of course, Dwight McKee is involved in that, and that is a wonderful thing. But you're the senior pastor of the New Mount Pilgrim Baptist Church. Beautiful cathedral, everybody. I urge you to get over there. Pastor Hatch, what is the good news? Good morning. How you doing, Santita? And good Always great to, to hear your voice. family today. Yeah, what an incredible... Thank you for the news of the day. I mean, it was... Um, the way you themed it and you landed on the $13.5 trillion uh, that that families have lost, families at the bottom of this socioeconomic system, and and how that points to uh, further unrest, you know, the wide disparity between the rich and the poor. Uh, And and you mentioned uh, Senator Warnock's victory, which, of course, uh, you know, it's an incredible story in and of itself. The, the, the Martin Luther King Church, the Ebenezer Church pastor, uh, uh, emerging as such a pivotal figure in American politics. And then the energy behind it, which is really African-American women who, who again, saved the day, you know, for the country, gave us an opportunity to have a, a reason to hope and a future. Black women in particular, it reminded me of Trevor Noah's, uh, the end of his commentary at the end of his career uh, with this show uh, this week. He said, if you really want to understand America, you have to talk to black women, the people that were on the bottom of this empire that can see it from the bottom up, which is, of course, a, a divine view. God does not look at the universe from the top down, but our theology of our tradition teaches us God looks at the world from the bottom up. And and, and also, you know, just very quickly, you know, if you want to understand, if you want to understand any society, you must look at its women, black, white, brown, yellow, and red. And it explains why we are who we are and where we are. But the good news. But black women in particular who have been mm-hmm. at the bottom of this and had no agency in the No, and white women, too, because you know what? They vote for Kemp. They vote for Trump. They vote, for, they vote against their own interest, Pastor. And I think that as but we look at women black women... Oh, no, no, I agree with that. An opportunity I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree, but I'm saying if you want to see what we're fighting against, you also have to look at the 
the counter to to our argument. You know, we I think we have to look at we have to look at theology. all of it. It's but the, the good news is the, is that is the sign of Christmas. You know that great text in Luke chapter two, verses one through twenty, where. It begins with the most famous man in the world. Everybody knew his name. The most powerful man in the world, Caesar Augustus, unites the Roman Empire at its peak. And his face is even known because he's on the coin. He's on the money. An empire on three continents, Africa, Asia, and Europe. The Roman Empire. It begins with the most famous man in the world, and then it ends with the most, the least powerful human being on the planet at that moment, and that's this baby born on hay outside of the inn to a poor family in a suburb of Jerusalem in a far-flung province of the Roman Empire, Palestine, and the baby is born probably the least powerful person on the planet. And so what a contrast, uh, this this sign of Christmas, that this baby is the sign of the emergence of divinity. Uh, and so it is just an incredible story uh, of the most powerful person uh, where the chapter begins with the least powerful person by the end of the chapter. What an incredible literature Luke chapter 2 is. Mm. And so interesting because now we'd have to explain to everybody who Caesar Augustus was. Most people wouldn't know walking down the street who was Caesar Augustus. You'd have to explain it to them, who was then the most powerful, most well-known man in the world. But guess what? That baby in that manger outside the end you won't have to explain who he is to persons of almost any faith anywhere on the planet. He ends up what? One of the most famous names in the world. Yahshua, Jesus. And so it just is an incredible contrast in that chapter that gives us great insight. It reminds me of Howard Thurman's Jesus and the Disinherited. It is, mm. it is this God identifies with the disinherited intimately mm-hmm. in the person of this baby and the and the and the shepherds who are working the night shift who are essential workers that are also unknown, disrespected, disinherited. They're told this is the sign of the arrival of divine uh, of the of the divine. It's her baby wrapped in rags, lying on hay in a stable. My dad was from the country. He used to say the the farm animals breathed on and kept them warm. You know, the the country preacher could fix it up. Mm -hmm. And there he was, and that was the sign. And it's instructive to us as we live our lives and we commemorate not just holidays, but holy days. And reflect on what life is really about. Number one, looking at this sign, this baby, this manger, it tells us that what really matters in life is not just who we are, but whose we are, who we belong to, whose interests we serve, 
what cause, what power, what uh, principle claims uh, ownership on our lives, on the purpose of our lives. And this baby in our faith tradition belongs to God. And then secondly, the, the, the science says the baby is wrapped in, literally we say swaddling clothes, but these are rags, rag tags, that the most precious gift is not wrapped in fancy wrapping paper with a bow, but literally wrapped in rags, which testifies again that we should spend less attention to what we have on and even more attention to what we have within us. Because this baby has something on the inside that is generating a high quality of life. And then lastly, look at where this baby starts out. The least powerful person in the Roman Empire contrasted with Caesar Augustus, which reminds those of us that come from places like Greenville, South Carolina, <laughs> or public housing, like which is my story, and then all of us that have come from places of the bottom of empire, that it's not where we start out that matters, but it's where we end up. And this baby would end up what the epitome of character, of spirit, of integrity. And so it not matter, It does not matter where we start out, but it's where we're going, where we end up, what's the trajectory of our lives. And that's really becomes the goal of life, to go through life and come out on the other side as a person of character, of integrity, and who ultimately whose spirit is not violated. I did see the movie Emancipation about that infamous photograph of the slave who had been whipped, and they called him, name is Gordon, but they called him Whip Peter. He has the whelps on his back and his face in the camera, and it demonstrates the inhumanity of, of the slaveocracy. And he looks in the camera, and the, and the stripes are on his back, the scars. And I love the character that played him in the movie, the Will Smith character said, Ultimately, all of this happened to me. But he says in that movie, they didn't break my spirit. And that's what happens, of course, in the story of Jesus. At the end, on the cross, as a victim of injustice and capital punishment, he says, Father, into your hands. I commit my spirit. They didn't break my spirit. And that's what the goal becomes. Not where we start out, how we end up. That's where I want to end up. With my spirit intact, and I work on that every day. It's the daily work to keep your integrity, to make an impact with your life, and to be a person of high character. Amen. Amen. And that is the good news, everybody, that there is something good that can come from anywhere, everybody. And oftentimes God puts, what do they say, right is right if, if, if you find it in the trash can and wrong is wrong if your mama does it. 
We have to become much more discerning. Everybody, I'm going to try and get Dr. Shanina Knighton back because I wanted to ask her a quick five minutes of questions. You know, typically we take her at this time just to find out what's the strain on America's hospitals. That is something that even Political Magazine is writing about. But coming up, we're also going to talk about uh, what's happening in Washington. What does Kirsten Sinema's defection from the Democratic Party mean? And then, who do you want? to have run for president. Uh, there is speculation now that President, former President Trump could be charged. Is that what you need to kind of move past the Trump moment? It's not going to be that easy to move past the Trump moment, and I'll tell you why. Because he won a whole lot of seats on the state level. Back in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. Call me at 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT on the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, WCPT, based here in Chicago, and AM 950 Radio. The voice of Progressive Minnesota, but Eric Burroughs out in California in L.A. I see you. Congratulations on this historic victory of Karen Bass, the former chairwoman of the Congressional Black Caucus, served six terms, and now she is the first woman of color, the first woman to serve as mayor of Los Angeles, sworn in by the first woman of color to be uh, the vice president of the United States, Kamala Harris, who is a Californian. So this is just history, history all around, and... uh, Mayor Bass will now said she wants the first thing she wants to do is tackle homelessness because there's so many moving parts in homelessness. You have people who are mentally ill. You have people who just fallen off the cliff. And you're also looking at people who are living in a state that is extremely expensive. It's just if you don't make a lot of money in L.A. and really throughout the state, you it's hard to live there. People moving to Vegas and everything else. It's just cost too much money. The rent is just too D.A.M.N. high. So. So glad that she's going to be doing that. But let's talk about Kirsten Cinema. We were just talking about uh, about her with Attorney C.K. Hoffler. So glad to have you back. And Attorney Aaron Connolly, so glad to have you back. Of course, uh, brilliant attorneys and political analysts. Of course, you can catch Attorney C.K. Hoffler on Court TV. She's a legal analyst there. She's the chair of Rainbow Bush and the former president of the National Bar Association, the largest and oldest black bar association in the world, and, of course, one of the great political organizers of our time. Of course, and that's no exaggeration, she's worked everywhere. One of the things we love about Attorney Erin Connolly is that she will get out in these streets and knock on the doors and get the temperature, feel where people are. So we're so glad to welcome you all back to the show. Last Tuesday, we were able to finally wrap up the midterms 2022 with the win, uh, the re-election of Raphael Warnock, Reverend Dr. Raphael Warnock to the U.S. Senate, of course. He is the senior pastor at Ebenezer Baptist Church, uh, the former Home Church, the former pulpit of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King of Daddy King. Historic church, historic, historic church. And now he's taking that legacy uh, for a full six-year term to Washington. And we were excited about it. We said this gives Democrats what they need. They do not have to have this loose power-sharing agreement with 
with Mitch McConnell, and then two days later, we find that we get this announcement from Kirsten Cinema. <laughs> I'm leaving the Democratic Party. That's right. That's right. She said on Friday that she had switched her political party affiliation to independent, leaving the Democratic Party just days after the Democrats won a full outright majority, 51 seats in the chamber. Where will she caucus? What does this mean? We do know that that means that she won't be primaried. Right. So because she won't be running as a Democrat. Interesting. We do know, according to press reports, that this was something that had been in, uh, that she had been not mulling over, that she had been planning to do for some time. And she said, I'm going to wait until the primaries are over so that I am not seen as an outside, an outsized force in this primary season. So there's that. So here we are. Here we are with Kirsten Cinema. And, you know, CK, you and I just before uh, before we before we get it, as we get into all of that, because I think all this leads to that. You know, I went to Ballotpedia because I was very whenever I hear the corporate media pushing a narrative, it makes me curious, CK and 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 Aaron. And because I'm skeptical. Because I was raised to really look at the media and read between the lines. And plus, I've just seen them. You know, they would take blind stories about about Dr. King. And, and they were not true. And they helped to shape the, the narrative that had him so hated across the country. And I've seen them do it with Reverend and other progressives, right? And so I said, okay, is Donald Trump really losing like this? And actually, I said, hmm. I saw that he has he has won ninety percent of the seats, ninety percent of the people that he put up. I said, okay, that was according to Ballotpedia, and um, you know, CK, I want you to speak to that because I was just saying that you know, according to David Daly, having read his book, book Rat Eft, you know, the true story of the secret plan to steal our election, Democrats and Republicans after uh, after President Obama won said, you know what, you all can have the presidency, but we're going to grab these states. And we're going to control the states because that's how you get the that's how you shape the congressional districts. Uh, that's how that's how you actually elect a president. The electors come from the states and then the, the electoral college, you know, they convene and then they let you know how they're going. So you talk to me because, you know, he I see president, former President Trump putting together an infrastructure uh, that's formidable in the states in the states. And mind you, I mean, you know, the founding fathers said, you know, we want to have balance, but it's like, wow, CK and and Aaron, he is locking up these states and no one's paying attention to that. I mean, like at all. CK. Well, good morning, Cynthia. Good morning, Aaron. Good morning to everyone. We are paying attention in Georgia. So Senator Raphael Warnock's victory is a sign that Georgia paid close attention. Because, you see, we believe, I believe, that former President Trump has a very, 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 very good shot at being invited to convicted in Georgia, without a question. Really? And I'm very close. Yeah, I do. Bonnie Willis is meticulously, Golden oh. County DA, putting together her case. Meticulously. So I believe that he has a good shot at. In Georgia, we have our eye on that. We have to remember that it's the governor and others that turned that they are they were not Trump supporters. Trump was very, very upset with the governor. And so they turned their back 
on the machination of Donald Trump. That's why there is a case. So in my impression, while Donald Trump did win some percentage, if it's 90 percent, then 90 percent, he lost at least 10 or more percent of key races. It's not the volume of the races. It's the quality of the races and what it means. And I think that is the significance of Senator Raphael Warnock's victory, that it was a slim margin and that where he lost, the margins are very slim. That should be of concern to all of us, of course. But a win is a win is a win and is, by the way, a win. Slim, not slim, overwhelming or not. And I think that while he has um, won in other districts, in other places, this is a wake-up call for him, and it should remain a wake-up call for us because he's going to run for president of the United States. He's already articulated that. Whether he's indicted or not, he's going to run. Legal problems or not, he's going to run. And we need to understand that and embrace that and prepare for that. So I think the, the fact that the Senate race is so close in Georgia, and let me tell you, I covered that in, in Georgia minute by minute, hour by hour, and I have to say, I dropped off for one second when I saw the mainstream media reporting that Herschel Walker was ahead. Didn't believe it, didn't want to see it. And I had to turn my TV momentarily saying, this was what just way too upsetting. And, you know, I, I was giving almost running commentary on what was happening um, because, you know, of, you know, WALK and the shows um, that I had there. And it just was so upsetting to see that. Um, just as a Georgian, just as someone who's there, who lives and breathes what is happening in Georgia. But fortunately, as I had predicted, and I probably prayed more, I mean, I'm not anyone that predicts elections, but I, I did say I felt that Senator Warner could win, would win, would pull it off, but it was going to be very tough and very close. And that was the message. And that was the message that resonated with voters. It was, it was kind of tough voting. I must oh, admit, look, I saw I, it. Yeah, I, I, turn, I, I, I went to another channel. I went to HGTV. I did. Yeah. <laughs> I just said I can't. I, I'm not prepared. I said I am not ready for this. Well, you know, well, I have to tell you, it was. It took the co- the collective effort of many, many grassroots organizations, including Rainbow Push, Transformative Justice Coalition, the People's Agenda, Black Voters Matter, to really pull out all that they had and go cross country because it was a severe disinformation campaign. Many people thought, well, I've already voted. Why do I need to vote again? I was told I don't have to vote again. I already voted for Raphael Warnock and I'm good. I don't have. So when you are confronting Mm -hmm. severe misinformation, you've got to counter that with strong information and get people to the polls. And that's what happened. And it worked, but I can tell you, you know, we can't rest on any laurels. What laurels are there to rest on? Well, honey, wait. We turned around, oh, and now Kirsten Cinema said two days later. <laughs> that's part I'm two. Out. I mean, I mean, that, look. Two. I mean, and so let me ask Aaron, what does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean for her on the ground? Before we go to the callers, what does that mean? Uh, I understand she won't she won't face a primary challenge because she's not going to be running as a Democrat unless an independent. Unless you all decide to run a Democrat as an independent, I don't know. You don't live there anymore, but you have, I mean, you, this is your space. Talk to me. What happened, Aaron? 
<laughs> well, Kirsten Cinema has been uh, doing some interesting things out in the in the wild west of Arizona uh, for quite some time now, and so Democrats on the ground know that she has not has long not been a friend to Democrats in Arizona or really Arizonans. So when she was elected to the Senate, she had strong support from the Democratic Party, the organizing apparatus that is very strong in Arizona uh, to turn a once red state um, almost blue. It's been a, a heavy lift thanks to a lot of the organizers on the ground, especially in Maricopa County folks who uh, looked to organize against Sheriff Joe Arpaio and his racist policies against Latinos. Um, so that that was a big block that supported her. These are very progressive folks. This is what got her elected um, in Arizona as a senator. Since that time, she's had no town hall meetings. She doesn't open her office to constituents unless they're vetted on issues that she wants to talk about. Uh, she certainly doesn't speak with the organizers that I worked with for many years on health care and um, gun control and immigration and climate change and all of those pieces. Um, and she has not really been a part of the Democratic Party uh, in Washington for some very important things. She doesn't attend uh, luncheons with the, the vice president in the state with the same enthusiasm as, as many other Democratic senators, for example. She doesn't participate in party activities. She did not campaign for President Biden or the Democrats on the ballot in the midterm elections for statewide Democrats that had uh, tough battles because nobody really wants to be seen with her. Um, so this isn't a surprise for a lot of Democrats in Arizona. Um, the reality is, though, is she doesn't have the support of any sort of independent party. What Arizona is, is one third uh, unaffiliated or quote-unquote, independent voters. But what they are is registered as unaffiliated with a party. Um, so they can, um, in certain instances, uh, participate in either a Democratic primary or a Republican one. So um, Kirsten Cinema will not face the very expensive and likely uh, losing Democratic primary that the poll numbers have shown uh, were not in her favor for the last year or so. We've seen uh, draft Ruben Gallego for Senate campaigns. We see Greg Stanton, the congressman who holds her former congressional seat uh, in Phoenix, uh, getting some pretty strong poll numbers. We hear things about uh, Kate Gallego, who's a very uh, popular and powerful mayor, of Phoenix and the ex-wife of Congressman Ruben Gallego. We hear Regina Romero, who's been a, uh, running for re-election as the mayor of Tucson. Um, so, so there's a lot of names being floated on the Democratic side uh, to come together and really focus on the general election if Kirsten Sinema even decides to, to run, right? Um, some of these poll numbers are pretty grim, and her shot at a re-election um, even using those un unaffiliated voters is 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 a tough one, right? Because she's still not Republican enough for the Republicans in Arizona that put up Carrie Lake for governor, for example, and got really close to beating the now governor Katie Hobbs. So, as you said, Santita, we have to look at the reality of these numbers. And for Kirsten Cinema to try and split some votes, um, three percent of Democrats have any sort of favorability for her. So she's not going to take any of those votes. And there's not enough Republicans and independents to really make up that difference. Well, you know, Robert says she's a classical two-faced backstabber, but it's a little bit more than that. I'm, I'm hearing you. I'm feeling you. I got it. 
But this is politics, everybody. This is about power. And she's a corporatist, as are most Democrats and Republicans uh, today. And um, they, in other words, they protect corporations. And, you know, we need to be honest about that. And we need to dig deep and find out who her masters are. And you, you should find that, find that out about everybody. That's why you need publicly funded campaigns so that our public, uh, our public officials are not, do not have to go into, the, go into office raising money and making promises, because that is the nature of the beast. <laughs> Rahm Emanuel's job when he was in Congress was to get, I think, $200,000 CK and, and, and Aaron Connolly from each congressman. I mean, you walked in with a debt, and he wanted you to get out there and raise that money for the Democratic Party. That was it. We need to get, we need to get clear on how this thing, that's why I try to share some things with you so I can let you all know how things work. So, you know, we just, we get our heads out the clouds and understand how this thing really, 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 really works. Let me get to Ted from Bensonville. Ted, what's on your mind today? Uh, Hey, good morning, Santita and esteemed panel. Uh, Thanks. Yeah, my question is, you know, my feeling is it's just like flat out misrepresentation. You run, you represent yourself as a, you know, representing the Democratic voters. And then they vote you in, and then you change parties. How can you do, you know, th- th- please talk to me how that is okay. It seems like misrepresentation. You know, she should be sued for misrepresentation. She goes in saying she's one thing and then changes on, on people. How can you do that? You know, I felt that way about Joe Lieberman, Ted. It was like, this is Are the you? most unreliable guy, and y'all want to put him on a ticket and on the Republican ticket and the Democratic ticket. And then he made it to the to the Democratic ticket. I was so insulted. I said, you can't trust this guy. He loses as a Democrat. So then he decides, OK, I'm going to run as a as, as a as an independent. What? That's not what independence is about. Independence means that, you know what? I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm going to walk down the middle or maybe outside the it lines. Mean, it should mean that you ran as an independent, at least. You, Thank you. You should be able to switch once you're in there. No, no, I agree. I, I, but who could we sue? <laughs> well, I mean, everybody's doing each other, you know. But definitely, it's not right, you know. I mean, yeah. oh, I mean I'm hearing you. I'm just saying. I wish. I yeah, wish we could, because I feel like we have been totally well, misrepresented. You know, the other individuals are respected. Individuals, our attorneys, aren't they? Maybe they can answer. I'm oh, no, I'm, giving, I'm, I'm pitching it to them because I am. Yeah, okay. Very good. Okay. <laughs> There's really no one to sue. I mean, you can sue. It's not going to go anywhere because these are public officials that can't. If we have, if we had the ability to sue politicians for unkept promises, every single politician would be sued. And that's why the framing of it is I plan to, I expect to, I hope to with your support. They're very crafty and very coy with how they articulate what they plan on doing. Because they can't make any guarantees. And similarly, Kirsten Sinema, but she just wishy-washy, but she is what she is. This is not a surprise. Santita, I just want to draw a parallel. The day after Raphael Warnock won the first time, we had the January 5th coup d'etat. That was the day after. Two days after his victory this time. And I don't think there's anything that happens by coincidence. We have this. I just want to draw that parallel. That's all. I'm not going to read into it and all that. I just want to draw that parallel that Georgia has been on people's minds last time, 
Georgia gave the majority. This time, Georgia gave a decisive victory for two days. So, you know, Georgia, uh, like I said, we in Georgia did get and do understand the significance of Donald Trump. It's just that there are forces, even Republican forces, fighting back against that. And I you think know, but that- they vote with him most of the time, CK. I mean, for all that Liz Cheney is saying, she voted with him more than 90 percent of the time. So is this personal or is this political? See, for me, this is political. And, you know, I am so tired of them talking. You know, if you don't, if you want to make someone irrelevant, you don't mention their name. The corporate media have mentioned his name every single day throughout the day since he was, since he was, uh, since he lost. They have, conti- they have enlarged him so much that he can run. <laughs> he is the leading candidate for the Republican nomination right now. Stay right there. Let me go to Pam from Chicago. Pam, what's <laughs> Ooh, it's about to make me breathless. Where are my smelling salts? Where are they? Good morning, Santita, and to your guest. Um, I, I'm just feeling like we're going high. Uh, Senator, Senator Cinema, let me slow down. Um, it's interesting that she made this announcement. It's almost as if she wanted to, I don't want to say nullify, but take the news cycle from the excitement of Senator Warnock's victory and the victory for uh, the people of Atlanta because they showed up and showed out and we're thankful for that. Even though the race was closed, nonetheless, we have Warnock. So she makes this announcement. I question who she is and why she did it. Uh, So I don't believe it's about independence. I I believe it's about representing the corporate interest. However, um, Santina, if we talk about independence and being an independent, if that means that I'm willing to vote for a Republican, then I'd have to reject that. Because at this stage of the game in 2022, I just don't even see the Republican Party as a political party. I know they call themselves that, and I know some factions of them may operate in that way. But right now, I see them as a hate group or the political arm of these hate groups. And lastly, on cinema, now she stated that she's, she continues not to be willing to support any change, I guess, in the filibuster. And I think that might be important right now. However, she's very adamant about protecting any rights for the LGBTQ community. And she's made that very clear. But she doesn't seem to want to do much about uh, just working families. She doesn't want to do much on police reform or even change the rules that will make it easier to help pass legislation for uh, the poor working-class, middle-class families. And so that's my concern, that she uh, made the statement when she did. I looked at the local political shows on Sunday, didn't see any reference, not much reference, to Warnock's victory, which was huge. (laughs) Which was huge. So uh, I'm just saying I'm a little bit concerned. And where is the uh, LGBT community and white women? chastising her for this move. They can't keep continuing to push out that they're our allies, Santita, and not behave in such a fashion or reprimand her. Let me give this to you, because I don't know if they say that they're our allies as much as they say that we need to be allied with them, right? And that's where the reciprocity kicks in, Uh, because, you know, my allies behave differently. The fact is, the overwhelming majority of white women vote with, uh, vote against their own interests. They just do. 
uh, you know, they, they favor power. You know, and then, you know, it's, sadly, that's a human thing, too. It's, it's a human thing. You know, we, you know, black folks get these good jobs, and sometimes we forget where we come from. That's what people do. It's a sad thing. Uh, but we're going to, I think we're getting to a place where people are going to have to be held accountable. You see how Americans have lost their wealth. We don't have the space right now or anymore. To, now you're going to have to, there's an old song from the from the civil rights movement that they used to sing when they were marching in the 60s and, you know, sometimes into the 70s. Which side are you on, Pam? Which side are you on? So that's the question. Which side are you on? Where do you stand when it comes to uh, universal single-payer health care? Where do you stand when it comes to public education, uh, equal access to equal high-quality education, health care, uh, decent housing? Where do you stand? And I think we need to start asking these people who are running for office about We need to start asking those questions. And you know what we need to start doing, Pam and Aaron and CK? We need to start running ourselves. Be broke as the Ten Commandments and run. Have outstanding taxes and run. you just like everybody else. There's not been a perfect person among us. Not one. Don't be afraid. They're going to say it in the, they're going to talk about you in the paper, and then the, then the paper's going to be a fish wrap at the end of the day. Don't even pay attention to that. Go on about your business. Because we need some real people in real offices helping us with our real problems. CK, I've got less than a minute. You go. Well, I just want to say this. We never need to rest on our laurels, but we need to take um, heed and also learn and govern ourselves accordingly by these latest election results, especially in Georgia. The fact that there was a Herschel Walker, a Herschel Walker with his profile that almost won should tell America we are living in perilous times because Herschel Walker was not qualified on any level. Subjectively, objectively, halfway, no way. He was not on any level should he have been someone put up and almost defeat a sitting incumbent who was actually quite popular in Georgia. So this should tell us that we can never underestimate the power of money, the money that the Republican Party will dump into a race. Secondly, the core candidate, but there was it was an incredibly strong campaign in Georgia, and they almost won. Again, a victory is a victory is a victory, and I take that victory. And thirdly and lastly, Donald Trump is running, indicted or not. So we need to wake up, smell that coffee, and be in a position to counter his extraordinary political clout. I think this, this latest round of midterm elections weakened his hand without a doubt. Weakened his hand. He did lose some major, major, major contests. They also won others. And to your point earlier, Santita, the Republican Party has been meticulous in putting in people in place on a state level because the U.S. Supreme Court, hello, is kicking everything to the state. But, the, so that's, where, but that's where he won, CK. That's where he won. That's what well, he, well, he, he put up. Yeah, he put up Herschel. You know, he put up these folks, no question. But that's what you, I think we just have to pay attention to that piece as well. That's, that's all I'm saying. Did he lose some? Did he, you know? Did he? Did he lose some of these big, high ticket, big ticket races? Yep. But on the state levels, he almost didn't miss. We need to pay attention to that too, and why these races are so close. No, hold on. Let's talk about it on Facebook Live before you go, because I got a hard break. 
Back with more. Okay, thank you. Want to- in just a minute. Stay, stay right there. Hold. We can change the world, change the world, change the world. Oh, yes, we can. We can change the world. We can change the world, change the world. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Everybody. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show, Monday, December 12, 2022, WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station at AM 950 Radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. I want you to call me at 773-763-9278. It has been said that now there is a path for Donald Trump to be charged. What will that mean? Will that heal the nation? Is that what we need? Uh, And look at all of these races all across the country. They've been tighter than this. So the country, um, we didn't see a blue wave. We did not. We saw blue winds, which are very, very important for governance and for getting our agenda, uh, really helping America to become better. I mean, don't you need relief, everybody? Uh, But that having been said, there is a lot going on here. and We need to talk about this on the Santita Jackson Show. What will it mean if, if Trump is charged? Will... You feel better? Will that promote healing in America? Will it promote anger with his adherents, which is roughly half of America? You know, people say what they want. I don't see him losing steam. I just don't. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I mean, um, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on in the United States. Household wealth is down by $13.5 trillion in 2022, a $6.8 trillion drop in uh, the first three quarters of 2022 alone. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of wealth. Nine million American young people have gone back home to live with their families. So people are not finishing school and going to get a home. They can't afford to do that. There's a lot that we need to really look at, the social um, uh, the social and spiritual elements that that are promoting unrest in America today. So let's talk about that on the Santita Jackson Show. Who do you want to run for president? <laughs> Uh, most Americans aren't crazy about Trump or Biden. You are, are enthusiastic about President Biden, but his numbers, to be fair, are rising. So, because he, he's had a lot of wins, everybody. He's done a lot of. He's had a lot of legislative, um, a lot of legislative wins. He's up against a headwind, against a, a hostile Congress. He's been able to get some things done. So, let's talk about this on the Santita Jackson Show today. 773-763-9278. 773-763-WCPT in Chicago. We're going to have a high of 40 degrees. It will drizzle. Minneapolis, St. Paul, 35 degrees. Cloudy. In the NFL, thankfully the Bears will are off until the 18th. Oh. My heavens, but the Lions were triumphant over the Vikings, 34 to 23. And in the NBA, the Hawks are triumphant over the Bulls in a heartbreaker, 123 to 122. And the Timberwolves will be playing the Trailblazers tonight. The Oilers will be facing off against the Wild tonight. Who you got in the World Cup? Well, for the first time in history, an African team will be in the quarterfinals, Morocco. That victory was achieved on Friday. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? We are going to see, but everybody in the Arab and African worlds are celebrating that victory in particular. More than 15 million people in the United States and 14 states are under winter weather alerts as a multi-day severe storm begins today for parts of the south and southern central U.S., praying for all of them, the lower Mississippi Valley, 
Louisiana, Mississippi could see tornadoes. Let us be prayerful. But it has left California where they have had feet of snow dumped in various parts of California. The snow already made for icy and dangerous conditions from northern California, where you do a lot of skiing, to Nevada with blowing snow and near zero visibility. Uh, the historic Artemis One mission came to a momentous close on yesterday as NASA's Orion spacecraft made a successful splashdown in the Pacific Ocean off of Mexico's Baja California Peninsula. The mission sent the uncrewed, that is unmanned, spacecraft on a trip around the moon for a little over 25 days to test whether its capsule could make a safe return to Earth. Now that that is clear, that hurdle, they're going to put people on the next flight. They're going to choose a crew of astronauts. We understand they're going to be very diverse, people of color, women, all of that, uh, to send astronauts on a similar trajectory on the Artemis 2 and 3 missions. Uh, That's 2024 and 2025, everybody. Well, those are just some of the headlines. On the Santita Jackson Show, let's get right to it. We're seeing that household wealth, as I said, down by $13.5 trillion in 2022 alone. The second worst um, drop in the history of the United States of America. Do you think that's driving some of the unrest? I want to hear what your thoughts are. Because we are looking at, um, we're looking at, um, it just things are just so politically charged socially charged people don't have any money and people are not able to buy homes we're turning into a nation of renters there's nothing wrong with being a renter but the american dream is to own even your own patch of grass and more and more americans are not getting that corporations are buying up your homes um corporations are buying up everything and they're controlling everything does that make you feel comfortable is that the american dream is that what's feeding uh, this this unsettledness in America that gives rise to a January 6th and lots of mini January 6ths going on all over the country? Is that why no one's really quite satisfied with President Trump or former President Trump or President Biden? People are like, I want somebody else to run. But who? And now we hear from... Uh, you know, from uh, former Department of Justice officials that they think that the Department of Justice is on a path to charge Trump. What will that do? How will that make people feel? It'll make people who don't like him feel great. But what about the people who do like him or the people who like him marginally who feel that he's been picked on? Some people really do feel that way. So I want you to call me at 773 773- Seven six three nine two seven eight seven seven three seven six three WCPT is the indictment of former President Trump the elixir that America needs. Will it move everybody into another place, or will it make us more at odds than ever before? Of course, joining Attorney Aaron Connolly is Bryce Green from. Uh, Fairness and Accuracy in Reporting, uh, noted social scientist Dwight McKee, and the chairman of the Transformative Justice Coalition, Attorney Daryl Jones. Let's uh, let's get right to it. Attorney Aaron Connolly, just very quickly, your thoughts. Will Could the indictment of President Trump help us to move into another place? Would it make us happier or will it make us more contentious? Good morning, Santita, and good morning to your panel and all of the morning stars out there. And um, 
you know, we'll see what happens with Donald Trump. Um, it, it looks like we're moving in that direction, but the reality is, and as you pointed out in the last hour, uh, Trump and his movement had had quite a lot of victories, while the more higher the higher profile uh, races he invested in or endorsed candidates in did lose. Uh, he still won a well, lot, barely. What barely? Correct. Barely. Correct. Correct. <laughs> I've forgotten to add that um, part. And, and let's take a look at some of the races he won. Okay, he he and his movement uh, brand of mega Republicans um, focused on uh, apologizing for uh, uh, you know their actions on January sixth and still running for many school boards across the country that are focused on limiting access to books and firing teachers for for no reason. Um, or reasons that they deem religiously or morally uh, unacceptable. So these are some of the concerns I have, regardless of a, a Trump indictment. We look at, at some of these um, local elections where, where these folks have gained power, and we see that that, that local uh, control can have dire consequences when we look at uh, some of the county clerk's races, for example. So regardless of whether or not Trump is charged, what the reaction will be. The reality is his people still uh, will be taking the oath of office in positions of power or already have in many municipalities and states throughout this country. And what does that mean for the 2024 election, whether he is uh, at the top of the Republican ticket or or not? Um, so that, that's my bigger concern right now. We'll have to see how this news cycle plays out and, and really uh, what the Justice Department's looking at here. Mm, you know, that's why I want us to pay attention to everything. You know, don't just listen to what the corporate media are telling you. Please don't, because they mislead all the time. And they have an agenda, too, to protect the corporations, just like many of these politicians out here. Attorney uh, Daryl Jones, your thoughts? You know, Santita, very interestingly, uh, I think that when it comes to the indictment uh, of President Trump, I, mean, I, I agree with uh, um, what I think uh, uh, Prep Bahara, the uh, former U.S. attorney uh, of New York, said when he said that, you know, at this point, uh, the Department of Justice is really loaded and ready for bear. And I think that he's going to be indicted. And I think they're going to push it through. But when you're talking about the uh, indictment and the potential prosecution of a former U.S. president, you got to be certain that you have all of your your ducks in a row, all the information in, in place. Uh, you know it's going to be extremely high profile because it's a historical measure of what's going on. And, you know, when we dig a little deeper into what uh, Merrick Garland, Attorney General Merrick Garland, has done uh, just within the last, I guess, month or so, when he has the appointment of Jack Smith, who, you know, as a special counsel, who is, you know, is not a lightweight whatsoever, only comes in for really significant matters. Um, that's a major step. And then you have Jack Smith and the DOJ bringing in attorneys that are outside of DOJ. They're bringing attorneys out of private employment with specialties in the areas that are going to help to prosecute this case. You know, you have them bringing in folks that are coming in from government jobs, that they're leaving those jobs to get into place or putting on leave and absence to get into place with regards to the appointment uh, and the uh, and the position for, for the uh, uh, prosecution of this specific case. So there are really a lot of significant steps 
that the Department of Justice is taking uh, with regards to preparing for this prosecution. I think there is going to be uh, the indictment. I believe there's going to be the prosecution. The bigger question uh, will become, as you stated, is what will be the response of it? What will be the reaction of it? Uh, you know, will, will, you know, will the Democrats stand up and applaud? I don't know. Uh, and part of that is going to be, you know, one of the things that uh, that is, uh, is always most at issue, I think, for people is what's happening in my house. What can I afford? What can I not afford? The economy, those, those bread and butter issues, those kitchen table issues. So would a prosecution of, of uh, a former President Trump overtake those interests. And I don't think that it would. But, you know, uh, there's nothing to say we, we, we can't certainly have both going on at the same time. But it's going to have an impact because if the economy is not improving, if people having to work two jobs to pay for what they were paying for with one job, it's going to be a problem. I mean, so I, I look at all of that that's going on, and I'm like, you know, uh, it, it's definitely going to be, I think, an indictment and prosecution of Trump. I don't know what impact that's going to have politically across the nation and, if, uh, and what that's going to do for particularly uh, President Biden's uh, uh, poll numbers at this point in time. So, you know, mm. that's sort of the, the quandary that I find myself in in that analysis. <laughs> Bryce Green, what's your assessment? Uh, yeah, my assessment is similar. Uh, there seems to be a lot of serious issues uh, that affect Americans every day that are kitchen table issues. Why are prices going up? Why is it so hard to pay bills? Uh, and in the American public, uh, there seems to be a lot of pretending going on when it comes to this Trump indictment. Uh, let's say that Trump is indicted. Well, I don't think Americans will, will really care all that much, right? A lot of people who already love Trump will continue to love Trump, and a lot of them who are skeptical will continue to be skeptical. But what I think the major problem is, is that they're pretending, is that a lot of people are pretending that indicting Trump would be some sort of uh, justice for the country, as if prosecuting these minor crimes, and, you know, they're crimes, I mean, he's a criminal, uh, would go any way towards restoring a sense of justice in America. And let me talk a little bit about what I mean. Uh, Trump committed all sorts of demonstrable crimes during his time in office. I mean, he assassinated a foreign leader, almost sparking an international war. Uh, he tried to overthrow the elected government of Venezuela, which is obviously illegal. He supported the illegal war of aggression uh, by Saudi Arabia on Yemen, which has led to hundreds of thousands of deaths and millions of people on the brink of starvation. And yet you don't hear a peep about that in the media. And the question is, why not? Well, the, the answer is because if you were really to seriously address those things, the media would have to contend with the fact that it isn't just Trump who is uh, the criminal here, uh, that these issues go back administrations, right? And each administration has had its own set of criminal activities that get completely ignored by the media, right? I mean, the Obama administration didn't even want to prosecute the Bush administration for their obvious war crimes, and they allowed the banks to get away with illegally kicking people out of their homes. Uh, and so when we talk about justice in America, we have to first address the entire rotten system wherein people are able to get away with all sorts of things. And this indictment over 
you know, it could be overcharging the government, it could be tax fraud, it could be anything like that. None of that has really affected people's lives in the way that the rampant criminality that happens every day does. But until that starts to be addressed, then I don't think the political situation in America will change. You know, you can indict Trump and you can call it justice, but that's, you know, that's not necessarily the case. It's a fig leaf to hide the real rot that defines the American system. And until we're able to address that, then we're really just spinning in circles. You know, you can indict Trump. Well, what next? There are 40,000 other Trumps. <laughs> and it's true that none of them are a sitting former president. But again, like I said, presidents commit all sorts of dangerous and heinous I crimes. I guess. <laughs> you know, a war crime is a war crime. Is a crime. Exactly. Exactly. Here, you're responsible. And these should be kitchen table issues. For the death, one death, let alone hundreds of thousands or millions of deaths. Are you serious right now? Not you. I'm just saying, just generally. I'm like, come on. You, we would never have an American president president have to go before the ICC, ever. We don't even pay attention to them, unless we want to send someone there. Right. Precisely. Come on. Precisely. And when we talk again, like this is coming at the same time that the Biden administration is giving Mohammed bin Salman complete immunity for the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. Wait, but they let him become a head of state. His father made him head of state so you cannot prosecute him. And everyone knows that he was responsible for, uh, for the for the for the murder of, and some people call it the assassination of Jamal Khashoggi. I mean, come on. Ah, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just trying to figure out. Seven, right. Seven, so, so this is what I mean when I say that the sense of justice in America is pretty lopsided and uh, pretty skewed. And then until we start addressing these things, we can't really start talking about it seriously. Mm. I want you to call us at 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT. Would the indictment of President Trump be a fig leaf over some bigger, bigger, bigger issues? Ooh, Dwight, I cannot wait to hear you respond to everything that you have just heard. <laughs> call us at 773 773- Seven six three nine two seven eight seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. Would an indictment of President Trump for the crimes that he is that he has been accused of committing? Um, they, you know, after an indictment, you know, you still have to go to court, and, and these crimes have to you have to prove that someone is guilty. Would that make you feel better? Hmm. And what's going on? Because it seems that the American electorate. I don't know how they're asking the questions, but uh, no one's really enthusiastic about having Donald Trump or President Biden run for the presidency in 2024. And yet there are two leading candidates. So what does that mean, everybody? Call me at 773-763-9278-773-763-9278. And everybody join us over here on YouTube on the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel. You know we're going to be talking during the break. And um, I want you to like and share the show. Like and share the show. Like and share. Ooh, it's just, that's right, Carol. Oy vey. Yes, <laughs> that's right. All of that. My sister out there in California and happy Hanukkah. You know what's coming. 
All right, stay right there with more of the Santita Jackson Show. Should President Trump be indicted? If he's indicted, will that make a difference? Will that make you feel better? Will that make us be better? Back with more of the Santita Jackson Show here on WCPT, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station and the voice of progressive Minnesota, AM 950 Radio. And, of course, I'm on Twitter, at Santita J, and Instagram, Santita Jackson IG, and Santita Jackson and Friends on Facebook. Please like me there, everybody. Please like me there and share that page, the Santita Jackson landing page. I can't take any friends there. I mean, they keep flushing everybody out. Back with more of the Santita Jackson Show in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. It seems that uh, former President Trump might be on a might be on a track to be indicted. Will that make a difference? How will that make you feel? Do you think that will be a healing moment for the country or will it be a divisive moment for the country? Uh, Why uh, is it that no one's really enthusiastic? Well, they're not terribly enthusiastic about Biden or Trump running for the presidency. Who do you want to see run? Call me at 773-763-9278-773-763-9278. Dwight, why don't you respond to what you've been hearing from Bryce Green and Attorney Aaron Connolly and Attorney Daryl Jones? Well, I see at least three situations lining up if they indict Trump. One is if they indict Trump and he's not the candidate, whoever runs is going to have to cut a deal with him, whoever the candidate is. Part of them being the candidate is going to be them having to cut a deal with him. And part of that deal is going to be, I will endorse you if you pardon me. So that's going to be the first thing on the table. Second thing to indict him is not for him to be found guilty. As he is a jury of his peers, it's going to be very hard to find 12 people who are not 12 or all whom are pro-Trump. I mean, anti-Trump. In the same way that he was not convicted in the in Congress when he was impeached, because you had congressmen who were poor Trump or pro Trump, is the situation you're going to run into in a jury trial. Is just if one out of every two people in this country is pro Trump, it's going to be very hard for them to convict him, and so all you be bringing is more publicity to him. Thirdly, and I totally agree with the brother, is that I think the fear, there's two fears with uh, indicting Trump. One is that he don't become a mill and he becomes a window, and it gives people a chance to peep into how the country really runs. And when you start talking about who stole the cookie from the cookie jar, he ain't the cookie monster. Everybody got crumbs on on their mouth, and they don't want to open up the window to the system so people understand how the system really works. That it is the billionaires don't pay taxes. And the billionaires have no accountability 
And the billionaires live on a different level than we do. Uh, and, and Trump is very transparent about that. He said, you want me to pay taxes? Change the tax code. Is, is I don't pay the taxes. I'm as smart as the next guy. And I don't think they really want us to see how the system works. And then lastly, you really run the risk of of uh, a revolution. I don't know if you all have seen what, what happened in Germany last week when they had to arrest 50 people because they was going to overthrow the government. But here you have thousands of people who are looking for a pretext to overthrow the government. The first thing the Republicans are going to do is start their investigations. They'll probably start with Biden's son, which is going to be a mess. And as they begin to expose all the inconsistencies of the Bidens and the Hillarys and the Obamas, it's going to be just like the brother said. It's it's these war crimes. We're going to find out that those are not war crimes. Those are the American policies. That's what America, what makes America go. And if it looks like they're trying to indict him to keep him from being a president, then it becomes a pretext for mass revolution and mass reaction, and you'll start seeing guerrilla warfare all over the country from his crowd and the crowd that's just looking for a reason to overthrow the government. So it, it ain't, you know, that cut and dry. Hmm? So you see this getting ugly, that this new, this Republican Congress, barely Republican. You see them going after Hunter Biden. You see them, you see this becoming an ugly, an ugly moment. It depends on what side you're on. It'd be ugly for the Democrats. It'll be divine for the Republicans. They've been waiting on an opportunity to go after Hillary and those uh, those emails. They've been waiting for the opportunity to go after Hunter and the DOC cut and his cocaine use. And, oh, they're going to have a field day, I guarantee you, on the Democrats. But, you but, but always Dwight, have to be- yeah. everyone has mm-hmm. known that he has been troubled. You know that he that he's been a young man who has struggled, right? Every I mean that's well known. But no, this is more than that, Santita. This is the DOC's cut with foreign governments, with China, with the Ukraine. This is the real politics of how this thing works. This is the influence peddling. This is promoting his family, and by by the time it's all over. The one who may not be able to run his body. Take my word on this one. It's, it's going to go there. Mm. Bryce Green, what are your thoughts? Uh, I agree to an extent. I don't know how much political violence will be started as a result of this. There are always people chomping at the bit, uh, looking for any excuse. And especially right now with the, the cultural civil war that's happening where, uh, you know, you have right-wingers taking shots at power stations and things like that. I, I only expect that to increase as the, the political temperature of the country uh, increases. Um, but also, you're right, there is the issue of just Congress and the executive branch being used to wage exclusive political warfare. You're going to see investigations of Biden and 
uh, of Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. You're probably going to see investigations of the Obama years and Hillary years. And while I would like to see those people investigated uh, in a serious and measured and uh, method- methodical way, I don't think that the Republican Party is going to end up doing end up doing it successfully. I mean, remember what happened with Benghazi. You know, there were weeks and weeks of all these hearings, all these grand statements, but the Republicans never really got to the heart of the matter, which is that the U.S. government helped overthrow Gaddafi and destroyed an entire country and then started shipping weapons out of the country. That was never front and center, but that's a serious issue. Uh, All the other stuff that they talked about, it was just the superficial stuff, stuff about Hillary Clinton's character. Uh, So I don't really trust the Republicans to dig up anything serious, Uh, but they're going to do it. They're going to try, and they're going to be waging political warfare. And the response is going to be that the, whoever gets into office next is going to have to wage political warfare. And then the next guy and the next guy and the next guy. Meanwhile, the real issues that Americans care about are going to suffer. Uh, the real issues, things like corporate control, corporate consolidation, uh, price gouging, uh, extremely high rents, uh, the buying up of the housing stock in America, all of those issues are going to be you know, by the wayside in favor of these political issues that won't even be investigated properly. And so that is a worry about how our democracy can function when the attention span of you know the people in Washington are on petty things and ignoring the real criminality that affects everyday life. You know, and I want us to really understand that so much of this fight that we're watching with the Cheneys and, and the Trumps and on and on, it's personal. Liz Cheney voted with President Trump 90% of the time. These people are angry that the establishment Republicans were pushed out by Donald Trump. I mean, that's just my read on it. Now, if, if does anyone agree, disagree before I go? Uh, well, think about that. Let me, let me bring up Robert from Gurney. Robert, what's on your mind today? <laughs> Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, I agree completely with uh, with what was said previously about how serious and, and, and crippled our justice system is. We don't have a justice system. What we have now in this country is an open schism that has turned everything into a political issue with the extreme right against the left. And, and right now it's liberals and progressives. The most important thing that liberals and progressives need to start to realize, we live in a fascist country. You cannot openly say what you actually believe about anything without the threat of violence from the right. And, and, and liberals need to sober up and realize about a phenomenon that happened in Nazi Germany. It was called the shock of delayed comprehension. And progressives and liberals need to realize we're dealing not with Republicans. We're dealing with a fascist party that's heavily armed. And another recommendation I'll make, and I know this is going to blow some heads off, stop talking about guns. I'm not interested in being disarmed and being a pacifist against a right-wing fascist party that openly talks about killing progressives, liberals, or anybody on the left. And, and that's what we need to get to. We need to sober up and face up. Because Trump's not going to be, he's not going to be convicted of anything. Just for like what uh, the gentleman said, you're not going to find 12 people. All it's going to take is one person. 
That's it. He's not going to be convicted. And we need to sober up and start protecting ourselves and facing the future, realizing, understanding what we're really up against. What are we up against? Fascism. White supremacy of the worst kind. That has festered since the, since the beginning of this country, was never resolved from the Civil War, and it's out there. Homophobia, xenophobia, you know, misogyny, all of the things of patriarchy that have, that have oppressed people and marginalized people for centuries is coming to roost, and they're seeing it potentially slip away, and they're freaking out with the fascist thought, and they're going to get more violent. They're going to, it might take another year, two years, three years. It may, you know, they'll find the opportune moment when they can strike and just create disorder. But that's what it's about. It's all the things we talk about as far as what's wrong, how wrong people are treated in this country. They don't care. They're colonizers. That's their mindset. They don't care. Hmm. Robert has spoken. Does anyone want to respond? I think he's absolutely correct, and he has an inside view on this thing. It's going to go there. And You've been saying that for a long time, Dwight. Why? And, it, and it's been going there for a long time. It's not like I've ever been wrong in saying it. It's that it only gets worse and worse and worse and worse because it is the character of the country. It is the nature of the people that we're dealing with. He called them fascists, and he is correct. You know, they are fascists. They are white supremacists who feel like they have a mandate from God to be in charge of the world. And 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 there's a disdain and a contempt for every, not just everybody else's rights, but everybody else's humanity. And so it's just it's going to take the country there. And I, I totally agree with him is that we have to get prepared for it. Is is He said to, a little while ago, and it's a very hard thing, that he thinks that we should arm ourselves. And it's very hard for liberals and the pacifists to take that position because we're so nonviolent. But we will be nonviolent to our dismay in this situation. We have to protect ourselves because it is going there. Attorney Jones, your thoughts? You know, I I, I, I listen to it all, and I think back, you know, and I think, you know, certainly there's a lot of accuracy that's there with regards to uh, how the uh, Republican conservatives uh, are viewing things, and and they've certainly, you know, taken up that that whole far-right growing spectrum, and they're afraid to confront it. Uh, and, and we continue to see that. That's from their elected officials. They're afraid to confront it. Uh, I don't think that's necessarily, you know, obviously the, the entirety of the conservative movement uh, that's out there. And I, and I wonder if the more mainstream conservatives are now the minority of their party. They certainly appear to be the minority voice uh, of their party in trying to stay away from the fascism uh, that, uh, that, that Dwight McCuller of. And that becomes very concerning because the question is, uh, will somebody from their party step forward and try to make it mainstream again and, and, and shoo away the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, 
the foundations of fascism and the actions of fascism that uh, we've seen the party display. So I, I think that becomes a major part part of that analysis. As for you know the democratic side of it, you know we certainly have to be ready. Uh, for uh, the steps that that they've shown that they're willing to take in, in terms of uh, taking those uh, supremacy steps and no one speaking up to say that it's wrong. So, you know, I, I think that I agree with both Dwight and the caller on that on the, on the point. Hmm. Aaron. Attorney Connolly, your thoughts? Well, I, I, I think the caller's point is, is, is right in, in many respects with with the level of extremism we've seen um, not only in our country but throughout the world, right? Uh, Dwight, I think, um, brought up some some really relevant points that, um, you know, we, 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 he alluded to the, um, the plot in Germany uncovered last week to overthrow mm-hmm. the government, right? There is this sense of and, dissatisfaction. And, you know, we're not paying attention and, to that, you know, Aaron. You know, that, you know, the whole, it seems like the whole, it's the zeitgeist, it's the spirit of the times. And, you know, particularly mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. Western world, there is so much unrest. I mean, you see the formal, the former colonies moving to the, moving to the front of the line, the BRICS nations, you know, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. I mean, metaphorically and actually, they are coming up with their own currencies. They are moving on. Gaddafi was killed, many argue, because he had come up with a common currency for all of the African nation states. And now you might have killed you might have killed the man, but you didn't kill the dream. <laughs> the African Union is moving in that direction right now. You know, Ukraine, you could not get agreement from India, China, Africa on this being a world war. You just you just couldn't do it. And people got angry when I would say that, when Bryce Green would say it. But it's like, y'all, they're not going to look at this the same way because they relate to Russia very differently, Aaron. You know, and I think that, you know, just seeing what happened in Germany and how the, these this cell, this I'm not going to call them a terrorist cell because I don't know. I don't know who they are, but I do know that they were lining up to overthrow the government, Aaron. <laughs> You know, they, of course, they don't do that in Europe. Isn't that what Prince William said? We don't have war over here. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, you know, he did. I mean, Aaron, what are we looking at? Well, we're we're looking at what I I hope is the, <laughs> uh, you know, the the last uh, push in fight from these fascists all over the world, and we know that. Um, when somebody is against the wall, that's when it, it gets worse in the fight, right? When there's there's desperation and um, some folks lining up to dismantle uh, the cons that they've been running. And I think we, we see potentially the end of that with Trump getting indicted. We saw his companies uh, formally uh, criminally indicted, um, which is a, has never happened, right? There's been years and years of allegations, charges. Um, you know, examples of impropriety, um, you know, his charity was under investigation, but this is the first time that his actual company was found criminally liable, right? And that's a big deal. That's a trend in, in that direction. And as as the leader, um, at least in the United States, is, is held to account or start, starting to be held to account, 
we will see those reactions get more intense and I think have to be prepared for the reality of that. We saw threats um, throughout the nation to the point where the FBI was warning folks to be extra vigilant at religious celebrations, particularly holiday celebrations in the LGBTQ and in the Jewish communities, as we have um, Hanukkah coming up and many uh, municipalities celebrating um, those holidays, there was a formal warning that went out that um, right-wing and fascist extremists would be planning these types of attacks. So so this is a, a real concern for folks. Um, I live in Highland Park. We had a 4th of July incident this, this summer that was a, a mass shooting. So this is this is something that, that families and folks are really thinking about, and um, it's, a, it's a real threat enough for, for our government to be, be issuing these, these warnings. So we have to take it seriously. Mm. Uh, so where do you see us going from here? I mean, because it does seem like we are in this moment that is, um, that's just very electric. You know, I'm, I'm watching the corporate <laughs> media, Bryce Green, say, you know, Trump lost Trump and he's a loser. He's just looking. He just had a horrible season. I'm like, he, lo- he won 90% of the seats that he ran people for. Did he lose some of these high-profile seats? Sure. But he also set he set an infrastructure from state to state to state that, you know, what do they say? It, you know, voting count, but who counts the votes matters even more. <laughs> I mean, Bryce, because I don't even think we're being, we're, we've, I don't think we're even being told the story uh, accurately. We're not being told, it, it's not being given to us straight. Bryce? Yeah. Uh, no, Santita, I, I totally agree. Uh, when we talk about the the threat of fascism in this country, you know, it's a big, scary word, but it's a serious topic. And it doesn't end with Trump, right? Uh, I mean, e- even if Donald Trump was to fall from popularity, you still have the Republican Party uh, you know, driven by lunatic culture wars, anti-trans bigotry, anti-gay bigotry, uh, and also the racial tension. Uh, There's a lot of racism that animates their policies. But the biggest thing above all that gives the Republican Party a lot of power is their uh, their union, their alliance with corporate America, right? Their entire plan, if if they get into office, is to further militarize the country, to... Uh, to gut the public welfare system, to privatize public assets, to give more tax breaks to corporations, to increase corporate power, and to increase their entire decision-making power over the entire economy. Now, that is fascism. When you have an elite group of people deciding almost everything for the country, and the problem with the Democratic Party is that they're not really opposing them. Since the Clinton years, in fact, a lot of the Democrats have adopted this exact same policy. Remember, it was Obama who was trying to privatize Social Security in a grand bargain. His health care plan was essentially a subsidy for the entire pharmaceutical and health care insurance industry. This is dangerous. This directly steals from the American people's pockets, and this exacerbates the economic anxieties that they feel. And typically, when people feel that they don't really control their economic lives, well, they're going to turn to the more cultural issues, uh, which is like those warnings that you were talking about, like Highland Park, these things. Well, if people don't have an outlet to legitimately change the makeup of their country, 
Well, they're going to lash out in different ways and in a lot of dangerous ways, too. And that situation really hasn't been addressed. I mean, the Republican Party is uh, someone mentioned earlier the, the prospect of a mainstream Republican bringing mainstream conservatism back into the fold. Well, I I wish I could share that optimism, but it doesn't seem to be the case. Right now, the Republican primary race looks like a race between you know, Trump, who is, you know, a charlatan criminal con man, and Ron DeSantis, who is also a charlatan criminal con man. In fact, going back to the issue of the serious, dangerous war crimes that we commit, Ron DeSantis was actually an overseer at some of the CIA black sites in which they were torturing people. Several victims recall seeing him there laughing and trying to get in their heads, trying to make sure that the torture was more effective. So that's the other guy who uh, who is in the running to take control of the Republican Party. Neither of those sound very good to me. I don't know about our listeners, but neither of those sound like anything that anyone wants in a functioning democracy. But yet that's where we are, and that's where the only two choices are. And the Democratic Party seems incapable of reacting to that in a serious way, which is by enacting policies that actually affect Americans. Well, I mean, because fascism comes from the left and the right, right? I mean, Daniel Perez is making the point. Fascism is already, um, he said it is, it's already here. But it's it's toned down fascism. And the neoliberals, which who are fascist too, want to put diverse faces to control the population of those groups. Complexion does not change direction, everybody. I mean, look, I think it's great when we make history and we get people of color in these offices. I think it's great, Daryl. Attorney Gerald Jones, an attorney, uh, Aaron Connolly. I think it's great when we get women. I think it's great. But I know that you can do much more under the cover of darkness. I know you can do much more. You can make the, you, you can make Great Britain much more aggressive and much more imperialistic under Maggie Thatcher than you, and under uh, Queen Elizabeth than you can under King George, than you can under John Major, than you can, than you can, than you can. And we need to watch that. We need to make a decision about where we want to be. And you know what? Open your eyes and ask. Start looking, investigating, and ask the tough questions, everybody. Ask the tough questions. 